0: listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Well, we are finishing up. Today is our last day of our Essential Sermon Series, because guess what next week is? It's the first week of Advent, right? So you guys are like, well, how did we get through this year so quickly? And here we are coming to the time we celebrate the birth of Christ, and so um, finishing off our essentials uh, series here, I want to recap a little bit of where we've been. If you chose to be willing to be equipped in this church, this was a pretty good series of things that are essential. And I want to just do a quick run through of what we talked about. We talked about trusting the story, we talked about uh, having confidence in this book, that this book has been so highly um, uh, vetted. And that you can trust God's word. You can trust what he says. All you have to do is choose to open it and make it a habit of understanding who your God is and what he's like and seeking to understand him through the word. And I was, I challenged you guys. We had some different challenges through this time about this book, that we've been given a good book. And I challenged you to listen to, to to watch 19 videos from our friends at the Bible Project to understand this book better. And it was going to take you a whole two hours and take two hours away from Netflix and some other cool things you're doing. And so who took that challenge? Did anybody take that challenge? And there you go, Forrest, good job. Take that challenge, and do you have a better understanding of God's word from spending that time and doing that? I also gave you a link to an ebook called The Number One Mistake People Make When They Read Their Bible by Brad Gray. And so we're here equipping equipping uh, our church to understand God's word better, not to to be a fan of a pastor or a fan of a church name, but to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And then Adam talked about salvation. We figured that salvation was pretty essential. And we talked about the things that you were saved uh, from, but not necessarily, that's not where it ends. That was just the beginning, because you were saved for a purpose and that you have purpose in your life. We talked about baptism and its history and why we would do it and being obedient, and then 27 people in the month of October chose to be baptized. Looks like we got something set up here today because we're uh, baptizing again today between services. We talked about this idea of a new birth. So you're baptized, so now what? What changes? What needs to change in my life? What did I change when I first chose to follow Jesus that I maybe have left in the past? And what about so like what happens now? What do I what do I do now? Well, you got to pray. Okay. Oh, you're going to do the pray, read your Bible, fasting, uh story. Yes. Those are essential. And I challenged you for the folks that really wanted to take the big swing that hadn't made it a habit. I said 12 minutes a day in your Bible for an entire year and you would read through the entire Bible. 12 minutes a day for an entire year. But if that was too much, we could back it up and just go to six minutes a day for six months and that would get you through the Newer Testament. And I know and I've heard that many of you have been taking that challenge and I'm really proud of this church for doing that. Then we talked about the Trinity and the fact that God knows what we need. He knew we needed to understand that he was a creator, that he created everything that is. And we'll talk more about that today. He knew that we needed a savior. Because he's a God who provides. And he knew that we were going to need the Holy Spirit, the, the still small voice that's been talking to you in your ear about different things that you've been doing over when you accepted the Lord. And that God's a provider. Greg spoke on prayer. And that communication with God is not an event. that it's a lifestyle. It was a beautiful sermon. And he gave you resources to, to look at from John Eldridge to A.W. Tozer to Timothy Keller. All the, this is all in your sermon notes. It's all online. It's all there for you. Last week, we talked about forgiveness, being essential. One of the cool things at a moment, uh, we have our, our life group uh, meets on Sunday nights, so it's super fresh, like in everybody's face. So we meet at Sunday nights, um, and we were going through that. And between the Sunday service... And Sunday evening, one of the gals in our group took that challenge about forgiveness and something that she had been working with, and she called uh, uh, someone she had to work through some forgiveness for, a family member, and everything blossomed and opened up for her. Now, that's not everybody's story all the time, but she was being obedient to take the challenge to not have these wrongs sitting out there or these stories that you're telling in your head that may or may not be true. And here's what her words were. It was really cool. She said the if I remember this right, she said, "The prize of forgiveness done well is restored relationships," and she was super excited. It's healing and it's freedom for many. And I challenge you guys to go and watch a sermon series called the the Grudge Sermon Series that uh, Life Church had done, and that it was a great sermon series. It was a four part sermon series. If you want to understand forgiveness better, we also give you other resources. So if you choose to be equipped and and to not just come and hear a sermon, but to choose to be equipped, you would have had a great, great last seven weeks because we're here to equip the saints and you are the saints. Amen. Amen. There we go. So what's essential? Why is it essential? Why would this make the list? Why be generous? What's essential? Is this another church? Give me your money talk, Josh. No, this is the church give me your money talk <laughs> this is the whole series everybody I know you're disappointed I'm not going to do four weeks in January on giving but if you're new you should, you, you know, we need to educate on those things but why be generous I remember um, my son coming home when he was little from Awanas and little chubby cheeks redhead kid Come home and he's singing a song. He's like, and I didn't grow up in the church, so I didn't know the song. He said, Some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. I was like, Okay, dude. So, like, what's the idea behind that? Like, what did horses and chariots represent in biblical times? Power and wealth. And, control. and why would you not trust in power and wealth and control and trust in the name of the Lord? Because that's not a problem for us in America, is it? Nobody's getting tense about hyperinflation, right? You're not holding on tighter to the stuff you got and trying to sandbag stuff over here and hide stuff over here and move this and try and figure out where you can move your, your resources. And like, you know, you're like, hey, God's got this. Why would I know that? Why would I know that there's a tendency to just hold, try and hold on and squeeze on tight to what you have? God is a generous God. A, a quote from a place I was reading some research on, doing some research on, says Look at the earth. There are more than 750 species of butterflies. 11,000 species of moths. Now, I don't know why that makes the, 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 the grade there, but 11,000 different types of moths. There's somewhere around 22,000 recorded species of fish. There's over 150 species of roses. Not like red, yellow, and like what? I don't understand the colors, Species. And this will be your favorite one for my wife. I got this one just for you, Carrie. There, uh, heck, there are 35,000 species of spiders <laughs> around the world. What a gift. But you see, the Bible is a story about generosity. Sometimes these talks about generosity or giving... You know, is some sort of like land of guilt, and the church just wants my money stuff, and and that's not what it's about. That's not what God wants. God wants to be represented well to all of his children, the seven billion of us that are here. He wants us to tell the world what he's like. And it's impossible to do that without being generous. Let me share with you a little bit about how generous God is. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Is that, that, that's pretty generous. I don't think I'd give my son up for anyone in here. I have not arrived. That is the ultimate sacrifice to give your children. We're, that's, that's talking a little bit more than a tithe, isn't it? Maybe I'll just give up 10% of them. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. I mean, it's not in your notes, 1 John three sixteen. 318 If anyone has material possessions if you got stuff and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them how can the love of God be in that person Dear children let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth That's a big one. Acts twenty thirty-five, this is Paul talking as in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words of our Lord Jesus Christ Himself, he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. We're supposed to be generous. Proverbs eleven twenty-four says one person gives freely yet gains even more. And another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell it. It's an easier life to walk with your hands open. I find that the harder that I tried to hold on to stuff and things, the slippery it got. (laughs) And the slippery it got within my own faith and my own walk in my faith. Put yourself in a position to need God where you will recognize it. We see this in Exodus 35 when they're building the temple. And I'll read you a briefly piece of this. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, "This is what the Lord has commanded: From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linens, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for anointing oil." And for fragrance, incense, and onyx, stones, and other gems to be mounted on uh, uh, the effort of the uh, breastplate, breastpiece. Excuse me. I think I skipped. No, we're good. All of you who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. So I not just wanted people's stuff. This is building a temple. I just want your stuff. And he asked everybody to be involved. Not just your stuff, but your time, energy, and talents. Because our stuff comes and goes. How many people remember exactly what they got for Christmas six years ago? Mm, Me neither. Your stuff comes and goes. How many people are excited about who they're going to be with? Having family around. Who God's allowed you to have with you, yeah. So here's here, here's here's the point. I want you to think about this at Pentecost. Rather than the Spirit of God re-entering this t- a temple through a torn veil, the Spirit chose to reside and was redeemed in what? In us. Thereby are making them breathing temples of God. So why should you be generous? Why is it essential that you would be generous? is because you represent to other people that don't know God who God is. Are we the tightwad Christians that go out after lunch and don't tip very well? Not our church. Not our church. We've already talked about this. But that's not, that's not tithing. That's, that's offerings. That's, that's, that's giving above and beyond. Even if the service was horrible, should I tip well? I do because i represent my god and you represent what your god looks like the living stone and the chosen people this is uh, in uh, first peter as you come to him the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by god And precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. People are going to look at you since you claim to be a Christian and they're going to be like, so this is what God's like. Do you feel like your God is generous? Are you generous? Up until this point, the temple was a place where people would go to know what God was like or that God was near, but now the temple's everywhere out there. The idea of generosity should change the way that you look at things, that you are His temple that you, the church, are places where people would go to have their needs met. Well, let me get you to this government program. The government will really take care of you. They do such a great job. You just rely on the government. Don't worry about government, government, government. Did that happen? Like, has has this story happened before? Would people be, could you win the hearts and minds of people if you have them dependent upon the government? Rome will protect you. Rome will take care of you. No. God takes care of us. And God takes care of us through his divine power and will. And he also takes care of us because we have eyeballs and ears and hearts and hands. And we see the needs of the people in our community and around our community and outside of our community. And we help people have their needs met. And when they have their needs met, they're wondering how that happened. That it wasn't some mythical place that just kept having money that they could give you. It was an actual relationship. Do you know when we do things for real needs, the, the, the program that helps uh, people with, with, with actual material possessions, that that's, just, that's a door to have a relationship with them? When you have a single mom that's running from an abusive situation that has nothing to have for her kids to sleep on, has no table for her kids to eat on, has, has nothing, and you come and deliver table and chairs and beds and all of those things, and there's somebody that gets to have a conversation with you, like it's a real need that's being met. But the long-term part of that is the relationship that we try and have people have with each other. So we must live a generous life because God lives a generous life and you are a representative of his kingdom. Here's the thing about it with the Older Testament. They knew if you were generous or not. If you had some sort of resources, they knew if you were generous. And one of the ways they did this is in Leviticus 23. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. So when you're getting your stuff, we don't really farm. Well, some of us do. But what do you you leave for others? Or is it all about what you can attain and what you can get and all of those things? Or are are you visibly generous? Would your kids convict you of being too generous to others? Would they know? Could they point and say, no, not just generous to them because we're all pretty spoiled and generous to our own kids, but would your kids know, man, <laughs> there they go again, crazy mom and dad taking care of somebody else. Could they convict you of being too generous? Our church, understand what the church is, it's not this building, right? Have we gone over this before? You are the church. Our church, you, you, Are known in our community to be generous. Take a look at some of these photos. A photo, excuse me. We have this thing called Restoration Night, and every night, what I'm seeing here, as as we come on Thursday nights, there's there's 50 to 70 to 80 people that we could hold more than that, and they're coming here, and we're focused on helping them restore some things that are going on in their life. It's a community. It's a family. We did our trunk or treat thing, and. And why would we do a trunk-or-treat thing? Because we got to meet a lot of people. Is it because of the candy and we support the local dentist here? I guess so. Uh, But, like, we got to meet a lot of people. And when we debriefed and talked about that event, we talked about how can we be more attentional next year. You have these thank you cards. We got all of these thank you cards this last week. And and that's just one of them. But we have, have like, five of them because they couldn't fit it. And it was our sister church over in Pullman. And it was all of these individuals saying, Thank you for the $45,000 that you gave to buy not only our chairs and our kids' stuff and all of our other stuff. Like, they were like super overwhelmed. We got all these cards. Thanks so much for your generosity, Emily. Thank you for living generous, somebody Watson. Thanks so much for blessing our church. May the seed you have sown return to you and press uh, pressed on your own running over so, so much that you can't contain it. Thanks for giving so generously. Your generosity is so encouraging. That's you. How about Surf Fest? There's a picture of us doing Surf Fest, which we're going to do this next April again. We're going to go out, we're going to take our time. We're going to take our resources, we're going to take everything we got, and we're going to go love on our community. And Surfest isn't just an event, it's a lifestyle. I know of life groups that are taking care of each other. We have real needs. We have, we have benevolence. Where we take care of our people here and we do that. This is, this is an Amazon distribution center for Jesus Christ. <laughs> just thought of that, not even in my notes. And what's the product that comes in here to this distribution center? You. And then you leave, hopefully filled up, and you take it out there and you distribute God's love. Some, some of you bring your money into this distribution center called a tithe, 10% of what you make, of your first fruits, not of your leftovers, of your best. And we're not here to build a big pile of money for somebody to sit on. We are distributing that out into the kingdom. This is not the only church plant we've supported this year. You're changing lives of churches in, in, uh, in Utah, in Wyoming, in Washington. Like, that's not the only church plant we support. But we're generous because our God is generous. So here's something that we're doing. There's this thing called Giving Tuesday. And it's coming up. We have a slide for that. Giving Tuesday, November 30th. It's so weird. So I've always remembered, like, Black Friday. Sales, great deals. My wife and I were looking for some some different types of furniture, and they're like, come on, Black Friday. Get you a better deal. So we all know about Black Friday. Can you imagine like 30 years ago somebody talking to you about Cyber Monday? Whoa! And then there's this after we're done spending and getting everything that we need, want, and have to have and desire. We'll do a Giving Tuesday. Let's throw that on the back end so we can feel good about it. But here's what we want to do for Giving Tuesday. We are going to redream and reimagine the squishy park down here. You love the squishy park. There's lots of people. Well why would a church want to build a better, bigger, more awesome squishy park in the mall? What's the value of that for the church? How is that making disciples? Drawing people into this building and having you be around them, having staff members walking right by them all the time, having a place where a mom could sit down, get her a cup of coffee uh, at Lavender and Thyme, uh, But <laughs> Was that just like an infomercial? No. Get a cup of coffee at, or there or Starbucks, whatever, uh, and sit down and have her laptop up and have amazing Internet and have it be somewhat quietish if I could accomplish that. Maybe not. Um, and be able to, to have community and connection with other people. Know that her kid is safe and having fun and coming out and going to be tired and need a nap after that. No. <laughs> so, like we're reimagining what that would look like. We are going to raise $100,000. Now, what kind of squishy park could we get for $100,000? I don't know. It seems pretty cool. But we're doing that because our vision is to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And you know what we need to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time? People. <laughs> That's a requirement. And we want to make biblical disciples in a relational environment. Do you think the environment we would create in here would be any, somewhat relational? Oh, boy. Yeah, it would be. Do you think it's important that young families come to know, a, come to know what a, a true loving God is? Yeah. So that's something that we're doing that you can participate in with your, with your offering. So tithe, your 10% that comes for the function of the church. And if you haven't gone on that train, it, you can start somewhere. Right, that's just the money piece of the giving, which is a, kind of the easy one. The time one, woo. That one, giving of your time, that's expensive because I can't make any more time. I can make more money, but I can't make more time. So, yes, tithes and offerings. So we want to put an offering out there for Giving Tuesday. Single moms and single dads, a place to come and be in a relationship and have their kids be a place where it's warm in the wintertime, it's cool in the summertime. Why would we do that? Isaiah 117, learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the course of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Be available. Be available to distribute God's generosity with your time, with your money, with your talents. What does God want from his followers? We are Christ followers. What does he want? Oh, he has shown you in Micah 6, eight. he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. What is not generous about any of that? See, God blesses you with health and wealth and wisdom, not just so you can acquire more of it, but so you can be really generous with, you, with that. So one of the problems is do we have a view in our culture of scarcity or abundance? Do we have a God of scarcity where we never have enough or do we have a God of abundance? You'll never be happy if you think God is holding out on you. You will never be happy if you think God is holding out on you. Psalm 24 The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. He founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Everything is God's. When you understand whose stuff it is and whose you are, generosity becomes easier. Because all you are is an Amazon distribution center of generosity and love. You're here to distribute wealth, the wealth that God has given you. And whether you're a college student and you work, you know, twenty-five hours a month and you make you make you know five hundred bucks a month, or whether you're a CEO and you make five hundred thousand dollars a month, it's not just the rich, not just for the rich to be generous. You guys heard of this uh, parable of the widow's mite? She gave all that she had. It's a principle. It's a principle, it's not a number. It's a principle that we live a generous life. A couple things to remember about the essentials to generosity. It's not about the stuff or the gifts or the talents. It's about the heart to want to obey what God is asking you to do. Again, you don't have to be rich to give. Acting with grace and mercy and love and forgiveness, this is how we show the world who our God is. That's why generosity is essential. And we take this time to to go to communion, hopefully maybe we can reflect a little bit differently today. Why are we doing communion? What was the generous act that happened that led us to, to do this act 2,020 plus years later of what our God did. See, we're to be representatives of Him and His kingdom. And there's tangible ways that you can be generous—easy ones in your finances—and then there's the sometimes the more difficult ones with your time, with your mercy. With your grace, with your forgiveness. So, if you're new with us today and you're visiting and you're like, what are they doing? Uh, If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, we take communion every week. We'd love for you to join us. Uh, If not, just let it pass by. Uh, Forrest, thank you for getting anybody. Uh, Ron, thank you. Anybody else need communion? All right, let's come to the table. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. And we had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, that's all I'm giving up for you. It's my body, my very self. Everything that I am, everything that I have, it is, I'm giving it up for you. He broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Remember, remember his generosity. And then the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink of it, and do it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. He comes again. When you drink this, you're proclaiming yourself to be generous and poured out, just like our Savior Jesus. Let's claim it. Father, I just thank you for this time. Um, I pray that your word came through clearly here, Lord, I ask that we just have a proper understanding of who you are and how we can represent you well, that we would be a church that that doesn't hold tightly to the things of this world, but we hold tightly to you and your principles and what you're about, that we become the most generous church this, this town has ever seen, that we are not about raising up our names, but we're about raising up your name. That together, united, focused, we can accomplish your purpose. So, Father, I ask you just change our hearts this season to continue to even see things better through your eyes, to be more generous, to not be worried about stuff, but to be worried about your people. That no one doesn't have a Thanksgiving table to be around. And not just the warm food and all of those things that we are so thankful for, but new relationships. That we're not alone. Lord, help us to be that type of people. People that live a generous life. Because you showed us how. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name.